Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. The year was 2024. Well, no, the year is 2024. Yeah, it is now. Yeah, now. But also, this uh, this goes onto the Internet Archive. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, someone might be listening to it 30 years from now. I don't know. Oh, in that case, uh, the year was 2024. Yeah, now. <laughs> uh, because New Year happened. It did. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Hopefully your 2024 is full of delights and nothing but precedented times. <laughs> nothing nothing unusual or unheard of or unprecedented in your lifetime. No surprises. May you year. live in uninteresting times. Yes. Uh, hopefully this is, this is just a year <laughs> where everyone can sit back and just be on cruise control. Oh. I think that'll happen when I retire. Yeah. No crises, just easy going. That's what we're hoping for. Just smooth sailing. That's what we're hoping for here at Shea Read Along. That's what we're hoping for for you, our listeners. Unless you want something like exciting or you're you're anticipating some excitement this year. Then that that that's fine. <laughs> then in that case, that's what we hope for you. Yes. We just hope you get what you want. But that's... overall, we're hoping for <laughs> easy breezy. We are not good at New Year's resolutions over here. We don't really make New Year's resolutions. Uh, Famously, they're very hard to keep. Mm. And so I find the best way to keep a New Year's resolution is to just not have one. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Um, I find I don't make New Year's resolutions so much as I just make random resolutions. Yeah, it's true. Like I once once made a resolution in September. (laughs) Yeah, Nita will just occasionally decide to like make a change. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what time of year no, it is. I don't need a calendar to make a change. Exactly. You can just make a change whenever you want. Exactly. You don't need to feel the pressure of doing it at New Year. Correct. Do a July resolution. Why not? Do an October resolution. A Halloween resolution. <laughs> Ooh. I like that idea. Yeah. Halloween resolution. Perhaps for the Samhain segue. Ah, I see. See what I did there? Very good. Because uh, we're coming up on the Samhain again in our novel, which we're going to continue with. In a moment, after I do a brief recap. Okay, let's recap. Yeah, so a brief recap of our previous chapter in which we skipped ahead six years to find a depressed Mallory dealing with her chronic illness, a ghostly Theodore as her gay best friend, (laughs) and uh, a distance between her two uh, other... Besties. Besties and herself, because she has been unable to move on. Yes, and a mysterious letter. Yes, informing her of a mysterious murder. Which somebody would like the undetectables to detect. And that leads us into Perimortem 1 of The Undetectables by Courtney Smith.
So if I told you to read chapter four last episode. It's because he didn't turn the page and see that chapter four is, in fact, not the next chapter. Yeah, this is Perimortem one. That was the next uh, the next section. Pretty short, but there is some stuff to talk about. Yeah, uh, because I, I have actually have I still made two pages of notes on this very short chapter. Yeah, because uh, we're dealing with a glimpse back in time to the final moments of one Edward Custer. Yes, the victim brought up in the note that was sent to Mallory. Yes, by name. So we yes. know this is the right guy. Yeah. Um, now, we already knew a little bit about our serial killer coming into this because, again, back of the book blurb is open game. It's That's true. public knowledge. So we're not reading ahead to know that the Whistler makes people chew out their own tongue and choke on it. That's his MO. Gross. Or her. Their MO. Maybe. Yeah. Don't know for sure. But it is interesting to me that amongst Edward's last moments is he thinks of a delicious food he wants to eat. And then promptly chokes to death on his own tongue. Yes. After chewing it out. And I can't help but think that that is part of the magic at work. Maybe. He was asleep and then he started to dream of the most delicious food he could think of. And then suddenly he swallowed his tongue. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it was a very short chapter, but I found it to be written in some very beautiful prose. Right? Like his, his death was almost poetic, even though it was kind of grotesque. Yeah. Yeah, like I get that. This, I found this chapter very well written. Like they just had such a way with words mm -hmm. in describing what happened, even though it was this horrible thing, right? This very morbid description of, of death, the way he died. Something that I hadn't brought up previously, uh, but was a thought that had crossed my mind, and this seems like a good point to drop it in, is that I know that Theodore certainly wants Mallory and the Undetectables to pick up the, the trail of his murder. And there's certainly an implication based on the back of the book that his murder and whatever has now happened to Edward Custer may be related. But clearly, the M.O. is very different. We don't know for sure that Theodore was killed by this whistler. No, we don't. Because he was not killed that way. No, it was very different. Very different. Well, there are connections. There are similarities between these two. In that someone was compelled to do something they wouldn't normally do. Correct. It doesn't seem... Like a ritualistic murder, but mm -hmm. yet, yeah, we don't anyway because we don't know the shape of things at the moment. Not it's quite. hard to say. Yeah, we, we have two murders and we can loosely connect them. So here's what I have. So they were both killed either on or around the time of Sam Hain. Yeah, right. They're both from the mayor's office, right? They're both male and they're both apparent. Yes, right. So regular non-occult, non-magical humans, both men. And that's really all we have. Yes. So I'm sure from a actual real life detective, this isn't a lot to go on. These aren't big connections, but this is a mystery novel. It's true. <laughs> so to me, this seems like decent connections to make. Well, and as we've said before, and I will say again now, uh, the laws of conservation of narrative indicate that very rarely will you find something uh, random and contrived in a book. That was things, the sound of me smiling and nodding. Yes, things generally are connected because you you want to, you don't want to pad out your book with a bunch of nonsense and useless stuff. Red herrings are one thing, but in this case, coincidences don't generally happen in stories for a reason. Right, exactly. Yeah. So Edward Custer's death was quick, Although not painless. And I wonder if that yes. has 
I wonder if that's important somehow. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. The way the magic gets gets woven into this chapter is quite beautiful, I think. Quite sinister, I would say. Both of those things can be true. It's true. <laughs> Courtney Smith, if you're listening, I found this chapter to be very beautiful, if quite macabre. So it was described as a tuneless noise that sort of snaked into the room, watched him die, and then at the end, right, right near the moment of death, enters him and makes it pleasant for him, right? Like, takes away the fear and the pain, and and he kind of, he almost dies happy? Yeah, I thought it was a little sinister for almost some of the same reasons, because the magic itself is described as almost skulking and predatory. Like oh, yeah, a, like, absolutely. Like an asp waiting to strike. Oh, yeah, it, like, the word snaked was used, yeah. right? If this was an old-timey cartoon, you'd see, like, a bar of music with notes on it, like sliding into the room <laughs> yes, exactly. along the floor. And the music would be really quiet as it snakes its way around the bed. And then it would get louder and louder as it gets close to him. Mm-hmm. The very end of the chapter, I'm, I'm going to read this line. The whistling worked its way into his ear, into his head, where the sound helped fabricate something pleasant for the moment of lucidity before Edward succumbed to death. Now, was that an act of mercy by our killer? Hard to say. Such an interesting description, and I'm absolutely fascinated by it. I want to know what's happening. Well, I'm going to infer something from the blurb at the back of the book. We know that this investigation is going to lead them to some dark secrets at the heart of the culture. So it is possible that the serial killer, quote unquote, is not, shall we say, acting independently. And the killings might have a tinge of mercy to them if the killer believes that it is something that is required of them, but isn't necessarily something they're happy about. Yes, exactly. Like, okay, this person has to die, but I don't have to make it terrible. Yeah, I don't have to be cruel. Right. Yeah. Although, I don't know, the manner of death doesn't seem exactly kind. Well, and this is, again, this is blind flailing. Oh, of course. Um, I'm not even at the point where I'm willing to make a random and irresponsible accusation. So, because we, we don't really have much in the way of suspects other than the suspicious demon at the Samhain party six years ago. Yeah. Who was mostly just mean. Like, that was just, that was just kind of cruel. And it might and have childish. been. Childish. Might have been because he was stupid drunk. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. It, it didn't seem that malicious. Quite. Sorry, drawing a cat face on somebody. <laughs> So it, anyway, it seems like a juvenile prank more than outright. Yes, exactly. Malicious activity. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's it. It was a it was a quick two page chapter. Uh, some lovely prose about a horrible death. We'll probably get some more perimortems if this was perimortem one. Yeah. If it's a serial killer, more bodies are going to stack up. Unfortunately, yeah. yes. Probably not as we move into chapter four, for real this time, of our novel, <laughs> which you're going to want to read up on in time for next week. I did check. It is, in fact, chapter four. I did as well. <laughs> uh, so, yes, once again, read that in time for next week. In the meantime, of course, as always, you can give us a little rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. Absolutely. We would appreciate those. It would be a lovely New Year's present for us. Indeed. Uh, you can also reach out to us via the social media. Absolutely. We are on Twitter. Sorry. X. Instagram, Facebook, Goodreads, and Blue Sky. You can keep calling it Twitter. Everybody knows what you're talking about. I know about. everyone calls it. Yeah. We are at The Read Along at all of those. You can, of course, also send us an email. Yes, we are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, everybody.
Thank you for joining us on The Read-Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All read-along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read-Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Thank you.